0: Now, as you are able, would you please remain standing for the reading of the word, which today will be done by Dustin.
1: Today's reading will start from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Titus 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people.
0: He is born. <laughs> if you have no idea what's happening there, on Easter we say, he is risen, and then everyone responds with, he is risen indeed. So I thought I'd try something different uh, today. <laughs> Did not work, probably not gonna catch on, that's okay. Um, maybe he is with us would have been a, a better statement, and he is with us indeed would have been a good response. But Merry Christmas, how about that? We'll start with that one. I love Christmas. I will say that as a, uh, as a preacher, as a pastor, it, it becomes a little bit difficult to preach during the Christmas season sometimes because the story is the same every single year. Uh, I mean, spoiler alert, there's still no room for them in the end, right? Like, They're still bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They're not bringing a PS5 or, um, you know, AirPod Pros this year. It's not going to happen. It's the same story. But there's so much depth and richness to this. And, And even just on the surface of this idea that God would step down from his throne, would step down from glory to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, is worth celebrating each and every year. And so that's what we're going to do today as we dive into the word of God. But I'm thinking about a story of a king who lived a long time ago. He was a a king who ruled well. He led his people, not with his military might, which he had, not by force, but by grace, by serving others. And he gained the love and the affection of many of his people Now, there were those who didn't like him. As a matter of fact, at one point, the king had to travel. He had to leave his kingdom for a little while. And while he was gone from his kingdom, some of those who disagreed with him, who actually claimed that he was not the true king, they begin to try and take over in many different ways. They actually begin to persecute those who were still following the king in his ways. And so there was one man in particular who was filled with evil intentions and filled with evil desire. And he went out of his way to search for people who followed the true king. He had them thrown into prison and some were even killed for following the true king. Well, one day this evil man was walking down the road and all of a sudden he sees the king riding out to him with his military might and power visible for him. Now let's pause here and think about what might happen next. What would the expectations be for this king and this man? The king and this traitor, this rebellious person who had persecuted the king's people. What would you do if you were the king? What would you expect if you were the man? Surely in this moment we expect judgment, we expect wrath, we expect some form of punishment. But instead this king demonstrated grace. His story is in Acts chapter nine verses one through six. The man is Saul, better known by many as the Apostle Paul, who wrote a big chunk of the New Testament. The king, of course, is Jesus himself. Saul hated Christians, and he was having them thrown in prison, Christians who were called followers of the way. This is what happened to Saul in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. So here's this moment where Saul has been persecuting Christians and Jesus meets him in glory and Jesus calls out to him and says, why are you persecuting me? It's interesting the language there because it shows us really the love of Jesus, this relationship that we get to have with him, the union that we can have in Christ. That when Jesus cries out to Saul and says, why are you persecuting my people? He doesn't say my people. He says, why are you persecuting me? This is an attack against me, Saul. And Saul probably knowing who it was, but just wanting to confirm cries out, Lord, who are you? And says, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you've been persecuting. And in that moment, you have to imagine that Paul is filled with fear, with trembling, knowing that his days are, are limited He's knowing that his punishment is coming, that judgment is around the corner because he has been harming the Lord's people. He has been persecuting Christ by persecuting his church, by persecuting his bride. And so you know that Saul is scared that he is expecting judgment. Instead, Jesus demonstrates grace. He offers him grace and says, Saul, get up. You're gonna have a relationship with me and I'm gonna use you for great purposes. I'm gonna use you to do great things in my name. I'm gonna fill you with the light of the world and you are gonna be the light for so many around you. See, Paul experienced grace in a really powerful, profound way. And this is why actually if you read the letters of Paul, you will see that every letter he opens and closes with grace. Grace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you, grace, grace, grace because grace mattered to him. Why? Because Paul knew who he was. He knew what he deserved and he knew what he had received instead. And listen to what he says in Titus chapter two, verse 11. He says, For for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It's an interesting statement that he makes that the grace of God has appeared. Not just that grace has been given, but that grace has appeared. It is visible to us. And this really is what Christmas is all about, is the appearance of grace. But let's pause on that for just a minute. I wanna focus on the last part of this verse. He says this grace has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So we are left asking the question of salvation from what? And salvation to what? Like what is this salvation really all about? Well, Paul understood what this salvation was. He looked at his life and he looked at his sin, his disobedience to God. And he said, yes, uh, I was deserving of death. I was deserving of punishment. I was deserving of wrath and you saved me from that. And so to really understand grace, we need to understand who we are in a way that Paul understands who he is. And so many of us might look and say, well, sure, Paul received salvation. Paul received grace because he deserved wrath. He deserved judgment. He deserved punishment. But I'm a good person. I don't deserve those things. I've done a lot of good deeds. I bought a lot of Christmas presents this year. I'm fine. I'm definitely on the nice list. Right? Like we start to think that, hey, you know what? We're doing okay. And so grace is nice, but it's kind of an added bonus. If I ever mess up, then it's there for me. But I'm not like Paul. He needed it and it's just nice for me. So we need to understand who we really are. Well, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so sin is simply disobedience to God. It means that we do something that God has told us not to do, or we don't do what God has told us to do. Now, many of us, we might be feeling pretty good at this moment, because you think about the things God has told you not to do, and it's like, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. And so we're like, check, check, check. We got those, checked off the list, we're fine. But when Jesus was here on earth, he actually came and he began to open up the law and he said, hey, there's a little bit more to it than you actually think. He said, you know, you know that command in scripture that says do not murder? And we're like, yeah, we're doing a great job of that one, right? We're patting ourselves on the back for that. We're like, yes, never murdered, I'm, I'm good. He says, well, if you've ever been angry at someone to the point where you lashed out in anger and called someone a name out of your anger, you've committed murder in your heart. Now all of a sudden I'm like, "Ooh, I've murdered a lot of people. And so we start to realize the depth of our sin as we explore scripture, we realize that we're always going to come up short. As a matter of fact, when it talks about things that God has told us to do, right, he says to love him perfectly. Well, we've all fallen short there. But Jesus also said that the second grace commandment is like the first, and he says it's love your neighbor as yourself. So if you've ever maybe potentially possibly fallen short of perfectly loving someone, then you've committed sin. Anyone ever been there before? anyone been there this morning? (laughs) Anyone on their way to church? Anyone in the last 30 minutes while we've been worshiping, like had an issue, you're like, don't talk to me, talk to me later, right? (laughs) So we all have a sinful nature, sinful hearts, and we all have a sin problem, and so then we ask, okay, well, what do we do with this? Okay, well, we have the sin issue, and the sin really separates us from the goodness of God. It leads us to a place where we are deserving of wrath. The Bible tells us that there is a, a payment that we owe for sin. It says the wages of sin is death. It costs us our life. So when it said that we all fall short of the glory of God, the way we understand that is that we want God, we want relationship with him, And we can try as hard as we can to get to him. We can jump. We can create towers. We can uh, try and work together. It doesn't matter. Nothing we do will ever get us to God. And if it were simply up to us, we'd be left in a desperate, broken place. And this is what Paul understood about himself. When Jesus met him and said, why are you persecuting my people? He knew. He knew what he deserved. And we need to come to this place because if we can come to the place of understanding the darkness that exists in our lives, then the light becomes that much more beautiful. As a matter of fact, let me share it like this. Uh, We don't actually know the day that Jesus was born. I know that may be shocking for some of you. You're like, that's it, I'm leaving. Church is canceled here. It's not on December 25th. Um, We don't know. And as a matter of fact, most historians now will say that it probably wasn't December 25th. And the reason for that is that the shepherds were out in the fields at night and they probably would not have been doing that at night in a cold winter evening. And so it most likely was sometime in the spring. So why do we celebrate on December 25th? Uh, Well, first of all, one of the, the reasons, depends on the historian that you look at, but one of the reasons that some will share is, is that historically, uh, Mary's conception was marked as March 25th. So you just add nine months, and then there's December 25th. And and so that was one of the possible reasons. Another one that people have brought up is that there used to be a a pagan worship on December 25th that worshiped a pagan God. And and so there's some belief that Christians basically came together and said, no, we're not going to have this happening on our watch. So instead, we're going to turn this pagan worship into Jesus worship, and we'll kind of just take this day over. And another one that was just that it's based around winter solstice, which is the shortest day of the year. Now, I, I don't know exactly which one is correct, but I will say that this winter solstice thing uh, just makes some level of sense. Because you think about the shortest day of the year, which is actually December 21st, and, and you think about, just, just go back to like ancient civilizations that may not have understood this was coming, and, and experience what they experienced, understand what they understood. So they're watching as their days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter and the light is getting less and less and the darkness is getting more and more and more and the cold is getting more and more and more. And they get to this point probably around mid-December towards the end of December where the days are very short. The days are very cold. Things are beginning to die around them. There's not a lot of life around them. And they're thinking this is the end. Our world is headed for destruction. Our our paths are headed for doom and destruction. That's where we are headed. Because eventually there will be no more light, there will be no more warmth, and everything will get colder and darker until everything freezes over and there is no more life. And then the calendar starts turning after December 21st and the light begins to grow as it re-enters into the world and the days become warmer and longer and longer and the sun becomes brighter again and there is hope once again. And it's into this kind of a feeling and this kind of a world that we need to place ourselves to look at our path and say, our path is headed for destruction and there's nothing that we can do. And we go to bed on Christmas Eve night, hoping, longing, wishing for someone to do something, to give something that will save us from our sins so that we can experience life and life with God again. And it's into this darkness and this brokenness, our sinful states, that Jesus steps in to enter as the light of the world. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. So here the light has entered into the darkness and the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. See the angels show up in the darkness and they say, have hope. The savior has been born. Jesus is here, Emmanuel, God with us is here. He has come to do the work that you couldn't possibly do on your own, to save you from your sins and to save you towards life. Life with God in perfect unity for all of eternity. Jesus, the Messiah, the one that has been promised, he's here and he is the light of the world. He is the savior. Jesus is the appearance of grace. Jesus is the appearance of grace. So when we think about the words of Titus 2, 11, that grace has appeared, that the grace of God has appeared, it came in the form of a baby, in the form of a person. See, again, God could have demonstrated his grace in many different ways. He could have just simply said, yes, I'll forgive you of your sins if you ask for forgiveness. But God wanted to demonstrate his grace to us. And he did it at an extreme cost to himself by stepping down from glory to live the perfect life that we couldn't live on our own so that he could willingly, not by force, but willingly lay down his life so that through his death and resurrection, our sins would be forgiven. Through his blood, our cost would be paid and we could enter into life receiving his righteousness, his goodness, being justified through faith in him. So we need to understand is that grace is not something that is earned. Grace is not earned, it is freely given. And the grace of God is received through faith. Grace is not earned, it is freely given and is received through faith. It is God's grace alone that does the work of salvation. And it is faith alone in Christ alone, that justifies us before him. It is not based on our merit, It is not based on our good works and praise God for that. Because as good as you might be, you don't come close to the standard that is God. We can't do it on our own, but the good news of the gospel, the good news of the Bible, the good news of Christ is that we don't have to because it's already been done for us. Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we could have life with him forever and ever and ever. And Jesus says that this life is something different than anything we've ever experienced before. Now to receive that, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so maybe you're here in church today for the very first time, or maybe this is your hundredth or thousandth time here and and you've never put your trust in Christ. And maybe right now God is stirring something inside of you and and saying, hey, uh, this is truth. That yes, I have sinned and I've fallen short of the glory of God, but praise God that he offered me a gift, the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, who lived the life I couldn't live and paid the price I couldn't pay so that I could receive from him life, life to the full and life eternally. I wanna put my trust in him and enter into life with him. And if that's you, in, in, in just a couple minutes, we're going to have an opportunity to pray a prayer that are just saying some words to, to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. The belief is already happening. And, and salvation doesn't really happen through any magic words. It really is just God getting a hold of your heart and you saying, Yes, God, I am all in. It's putting your faith in Christ. And so we're going to do that in just a couple minutes. But there's a couple things I want to point out before we get there. And so let's go back to our Titus 2 passage. Titus chapter two, verse 12 says this. It tells us, remember, that grace has come for the salvation for all people. And it says, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. And so it teaches us to say no to the things of this world and to live in a way that glorifies God. Now, wait a second. Didn't we just talk about how our works are never gonna be good enough and yet now we're being saved to do good works? yes. That is correct. See, salvation doesn't come through good works. Salvation doesn't come through good deeds. We will never deserve that and we can't earn it. But God freely gives us his love and grace anyways. But when we receive that from God, it transforms our hearts. And we begin to live in a way that glorifies him. Now that doesn't happen instantly. Some of it will happen immediately. But it happens over time as we continue to get into the words, we continue to spend time together week in and week out. As we get into groups like doing the Jonah study, as we read scripture each and every day, we will grow in our relationship with him in our obedience to him. And we do this because it glorifies a God who has given everything to us. It also puts us on the path that Jesus said is life and life to the full. And to live that life, we have to do what he says. And also, It demonstrates God's love for those around us so that we can be a witness of God's grace and love to others so that they can receive that gift as well. And so we are given the ability to live godly and upright lives in a world that wants to run away from God. We can live differently. See, grace changes us. Grace changes us. It transforms us from the inside out. God is doing a work in our hearts. The Bible says that when we put our trust in Christ, we become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God dwells within us and begins to strengthen us and encourage us and point us on the track so that we can live a life that is glorifying to him. So this is all possible because of God's grace. And then look at what it says in verses 13 and 14. So it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And so here scripture is teaching us that God brings us into relationship with him that he does this for his own glory, for his own benefit because he wants relationship with us. And so he wants us to belong to him and he wants to belong to us. And so he saves us from our sins so that we can enter into life with him. But it said this here at the very beginning, it said that we're gonna do all these things while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ. Now some of you, you might be thinking, wait a second, We already had the appearing of Christ. Like, isn't that what we're doing here today? We're celebrating Christmas. I know that my nativity scene has a baby Jesus at home. We're not still waiting for that one. He has come, grace has appeared, yes, that is true. But grace will appear again. Grace will appear again. See, the beauty of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of scripture, is that we can live in this world transformed and changed. But we know that there's still suffering. We know that there's still heartache. We know that there's still going to be difficult circumstances. But we also know that this isn't the end. See, Jesus was talking to his disciples and he said, hey, I'm gonna have to go away for a little while. He says, but when I do, I want you to know that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, you can be assured that I'm coming back to bring you home. See, Jesus promises us a place in eternity a place in glory with him and whether he returns in our lifetime or we meet him when we stand before the judgment seat if we have put our trust in Christ the gates of heaven will be opened up to us and the new heavens and the new earth that we will get to dwell in one day are so different than what we experience here The Bible tells us this will be a place that is free from sin. It will be a place that is free from heartache, a place that is free from brokenness. There'll be no more hurt or pain and Christ will wipe away every tear. There will just be rejoicing and dancing and celebrating as we get to experience the fullness of Emmanuel, God with us. What a glorious day that will be. But until then, we are given the grace to live in this world, in this life, with hope, with joy, with peace, because we have received the gift of Jesus Christ. And so we know that grace has appeared in the form of Jesus. We know that grace is not earned, it is freely given, it is received through faith in Jesus Christ. We know that grace changes us and that grace will appear again. And all of this is possible when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. So when we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, when we acknowledge that He is the Son of God, fully God and fully man, that He lived a perfect life, died on a cross for us and rose again, when we put our trust in that, then we receive that life for ourselves as well. And so what I wanna do right now is just offer a prayer that we can pray together, that maybe if God is stirring something in your heart, These are the words that you can express to say, yes, God, I want you and nothing else. What we're doing is we're repenting of our sin. We're turning from our sinful nature and we're turning to the plan that Jesus has for us. And so we're actually gonna all say this prayer together because as Christians, it's just a reminder of what God has done in our hearts. And for those who are maybe saying this prayer for the very first time, just pray this out with your heart connected to Christ, giving thanks to God for what he has done. So let's say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me even when I've ignored you and gone my own way. I realize that I need you in my life and I'm sorry for my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. As much as I know how, with your help, through the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, I want to follow you from now on. Please come into my life and make me a new person inside. I accept your gift of salvation. Help me to grow as a Christian, to become a fully committed follower of you. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, I just wanna say congratulations. I believe that is the best decision you will ever make. And I also just wanna say, welcome to the family. We are so glad that you made that decision. Yeah, we can give it up. Well, as we have been reminded of the love of God and the goodness of God and demonstrating his grace to us through his son, Jesus Christ, we're going to have another opportunity to really visually see the hope that we have in Jesus and the opportunity that we have to share that gift with others. And so what we're gonna do in just a moment is we're gonna sing a song, Silent Night, that really reflects on the night where grace appeared. And as we're doing that, we're gonna light the candles that you were given as you walked in today. And so what's gonna happen in just a moment is I'm gonna go and get a candle and I'm gonna light it from the Christ candle, representing a decision to follow Christ, representing what happens when God gets a hold of your heart that we receive the light of the world in our own lives, that we have hope, because we know the truth. We have eternity to look forward to because we have put our trust in Jesus. And when we receive that gift through the grace of God, we are able to share that gift with others. And so a few of our staff members will come forward and they're gonna receive the light and then they're gonna begin passing it to each one of you. They're gonna pass it down the aisles and then when you receive it from the aisle, just pass it towards the inside. If you're in the middle seats, you don't need to turn around because we don't wanna light our chairs on fire but instead we'll light from the aisles and then the aisles will send the light inside. And doing this, we're reminded of the light that we receive from the grace that has appeared from Jesus Christ and the ability that we have, the opportunity that we have to share that light with others. So as we light the candles, would we remember the incredible gift of Jesus Christ?